This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Julie Bartkiss, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mark. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you're here too, because I'm excited what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, why don't you take a minute for us and tell us who you are and what you do in the world? Absolutely. Well, what I do in the world, I really feel that we're we're changing lives by transforming workplaces. And I've been doing this for over 20 years, where I go into organizations and I help leaders. And I feel that I really work with the, the leaders who are very heart-centered about their businesses. And I help them attract, interview, hire, retain, and motivate the team of their dreams. But not from an HR perspective like you would think, just really from a personal transformation perspective, which is very powerful. Because once they figure out why they're attracting the wrong kind of people or why their staff is not motivated or why they're not even feeling happy in the workplace, you know, their life just becomes so much better. And that really just, that just does it for me. That makes me really happy. And that is the topic of the show today, listeners. We're going to talk about attracting the right people. You know, I read a book built to last by Jim Collins back in the 80s or 90s. I don't remember when, where he says you got to have the right people in the right seat on the right bus going the right direction. And so many people may have the right people, but they're on the wrong bus going the wrong direction or they're doing the wrong thing. And I, I think it's really important because um, I also heard Dave Ramsey say once you, you should fire, you should hire slow and fire fast. And I think when we have expansive growth uh, and it's happening very fastly, people fastly, very fast. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's my show. I can, I can talk like that. You can make up uh, words. Totally yes, make yes up I words. can. There we go. <laughs> um, what happens is we just like, if uh, can you breathe? Okay. You got the job. And then as the business keeps going on, it's like, oh man, now this, this division's not going well because you didn't hire the right person. So talk to us when, when you're hired by somebody, talk to us about the first things you do when you go into the company. Uh, what are the first things you're dealing with them? A lot of times I am coaching the owner of the company to really figure out what the biggest pain points are. So a lot of times it's the interview process and, and they won't even come across and say, oh, it's it's interviewing. I really am horrible at it. Uh, they'll come across and say, you know what? I get calls for interviews, but we get the people in here and then they last a week or we get the wrong people in, or we have people who say they're going to come in for an interview and then they're a total no-show. So it's really transforming the dynamic and making sure that we're attracting the right people from the start. Because I really believe that just like attracting things into our lives, we could also attract the right people to come and serve us and to be a part of our vision. So we really start with a heart-to-heart conversation about what their biggest pain is. And to me, it takes place in a couple of of areas. It's either with bringing on the right staff or it's in transforming the ones that we got. So a lot of times I'll hear they're a really good team member, but there's a piece of the puzzle missing and they don't know how to coach that person for peak performance. So that's where I'll get in and really understand, well, what is the leader's management style? How are they hiring? Because a lot of times, like you said, it's like, oh, we get so excited that we've got somebody coming in. We're quick to hire them. We do the happy dance. Woohoo, they're here. And then we get on with the next pain point. So we really want to look at hiring like an investment that we're making in the future of our vision coming to life. Now, let me ask you, okay, let's say someone needs to be coach, to use your word. At what point do you determine, you know what, 
I, this person is not going to cut it. We're going to, have to let him go because I'm sure there comes a point where you've given him enough, him or her enough coaching, and they're just not fitting the job. Maybe they're a great employee in the beginning, or maybe they were a quick hire. So, do you walk through people on what time it is to let someone go? They're just not a fit. Absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of really great employees out there. And actually, when I speak from stage and I ask audiences of employees, you know, how many of you want to feel positive and productive coming into work? Almost every single hand goes up. I mean, I think there was one audience where there was one person where their hand didn't go up. I'm like, okay, what's up? (laughs) But most everybody says, yeah, I really want to feel positive and productive coming into work. But a lot of managers out there just don't know how to coach their employees to get them to that magical place. So we really look at what are the barriers that are being put up. So are there communication gaps that are happening? Because when employees start, here's the real interesting thing, Mark, is that when employees start, they're motivated, they're excited, mm-hmm. but then they get into your workplace. And whether your workplace is one employee or you know 270 employees, something happens. And that to me is a real fascinating piece is to really understand, well, what are the things that are really demotivating your staff? And that's as important to understand as, well, what will motivate them? So to get back to your question, we really have to evaluate, is an employee coachable? And if we could determine if they are coachable, meaning they listen to our feedback, they take our feedback, they grow with our feedback, and we see them making a progressive improvement. So once we see them taking action steps and they're making progressive improvement and we're documenting this and we've got our own process that we put out there for everybody. But once we see that happening, then we're like, oh, okay, they want to make improvements. But if you have an employee who fights you every step of the way and says, well, why do I have to do that? Or that's not part of my job description. Then it's like, uh, uh, maybe it's time to attract a different person into this job. I remember when I worked for the corporate world, I was fired back in July of 2005, which I'm very thankful for because we probably wouldn't be having this conversation now. Right, right. But I remember when I got that job, I was so excited the first couple of days. And, you know, I went to the training and the HR training and all the training you go through and you go to your department and you, you meet all the people. And then when the the manager or the supervisor goes away, then you have the, what I call the toxic people who say, Oh yeah, let me tell you how it really goes down here. And what happens is I was so excited. And then they started telling me, Oh, the boss is this, the manager is this, the director is this, uh, you can't do this. Don't do this. And, and, and it's like, I think they're trying to be helpful, but what they're actually doing is they're de- to use your word, they're de- demotivating me. They're like, right. I, I, I was really excited. Now you're telling me, Oh, this isn't the place you want to be. The, the, the everybody's horrible here. They don't care about us. And it's like, so I've gone from excited to demotivated in like a couple days. And I think it's really difficult. And I'd like to know your thoughts on this. How does a leader who doesn't know that there are people in his, um, in his department or whatever the case may be, who are toxic, who are telling these new hires and demotivating them, you know, what can a leader do? Because if they don't know what's going on, how can they correct the problem? That happens a lot where the leader is really clueless and the leader will even lose employees. And time and time again, they just leave and they don't want to burn bridges or they want to depart nicely. So they don't even really tell the leader what's going on. But if the leader is totally unplugged to the inner conversations of their company or of their business, they've really got to get plugged back in. And there are signs that you need to look for to know, well, is backbiting and gossip and all those demotivating behaviors happening. And 
if you look for those signs, then you could determine like, oh, okay, as a leader, here's what I need to do differently. And when I mentioned staff demotivators earlier, I've identified, I don't know, 30 or 40 different demotivators in the workplace that are really being modeled from the top down that create a chain reaction of destructive impacts. So I always think about this backbiting or this gossip as a symptom of something else going on. So how does a leader get clued into this? That's, that's a good question. So if you ask your staff for feedback and you get nothing but silence, you hear crickets, that's a sign that they just might not be telling you, but they're probably talking about it behind your back because it is human nature to vent. And sometimes in organizations, it's like the lady at the grocery store knows what's going on at our company, but the owner or the boss, the supervisor doesn't. Now, I want to so interject with you right there just for a second because yeah. I remember the company, last company I worked for, the one that fired me, um, used to have these meetings once a month and they would bring in donuts and the, the assistant director would show up and they'd say, okay, guys, you know, who has some feedback? Now, you have a supervisor there who was out to get everyone. Literally, his job was to, he, the only thing he did well, and I won't mention their name on the air, but he knew the policies and he wrote up everybody in that department. It's never a good idea when you have a supervisor writing up everybody that works there. And they would say the, the assistant director was totally clueless because he would, he was a, a military guy and he believed in the chain of command. And so he believed when the supervisor said there's no problem, he said he thought there's no problem. We go to these open feedback meetings and they bring donuts. No one would say anything because right. they, they, they got burned by being open saying, yeah, here's my problem. And then when the assistant director would leave, then they would be written up for something totally unrelated. And to your point, people are like, uh, no, I'm not saying anything because I don't want to be losing. I don't want to lose my job or get written up. Right. I'll lose my job on my terms. <laughs> when I'm ready to go, I'll leave. <laughs> right. But, but that's exactly true. And I call that the silency conspiracy. That's where it's like nobody says anything, but then yet you leave the room and then you notice everybody huddled together. So if you're not getting regular feedback from your staff, and if you're not giving feedback to your team, then there's a clear sign that there's something that's going on. So we really look at these staff to motivators and understand what are we doing as a leader that's causing a chain reaction of negative happenings to unfold in our organization. And the situation that you shared, Mark, is just a, a perfect one. And I've been in organizations where they put out feedback forms. And then before, you know, it's supposed to be an anonymous process. And then as the feedback forms are being submitted, the managers are reading them right there in front of wow. the employees. And they're like, oh, wait a second, it was, this was supposed to be anonymous. And there was another time I remember I was at an organization and I was speaking and the owner of the company decided last minute not to come, but she called me. And she says, you know, Julie, I, I, I don't want to be there because I want everybody to, to speak freely. However, can you record it so I can hear who's saying what? Oh, my goodness. True situation, right? You know, and even with our confidential feedback process, owners will be like, oh, but you're going to share with me the real juicy ones, right? So they think that it's okay to break that promise. And it's not, you know, if you're telling your folks, Hey, this is confidential. Nobody's going to look at it. It's for us to improve and to be better. That's what you've really got to be dedicated to is that improvement, that team being better. And it's not about who's right and who's wrong or your pride and your ego. It's about what's, what's working so that as an organization, you can really fulfill that vision. And especially if you're the owner of a company, there's nothing more important than cultivating that vision and bringing it to life and having people who are on board and really excited and rearing to go and to make sure that your vision 
comes to life. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Struchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. What about 360 Feedbacks, uh, this company that I, I was fired from? I keep saying, I've never said I was fired at the same company so many times in the one show, but we're just talking about it. It just happened to feed right. anyway. So they did this 360 Feedback. Now, if you're not familiar with listener, the 360 Feedback means that you get feedback on your boss and they get feed on their boss and then the employee gets feedback on everybody. It's like the 360 thing. And what they did at my, this company, I thought was really smart. They made people go home. And do it from their computers. So it was completely anonymous. You went to this, you know, this site. It didn't capture any information. What do you think about 360 feedback? So is that even a thing anymore? I don't see them being used a lot, but it, but I do hear them still being talked about. We did that when I was in corporate America. I was in corporate also for eight years. So we're, you know, corporate relatives here because <laughs> we know what that's like. But, but I was in corporate for eight years and we did implement a 360 process. But the place that I try to get teams to is really being transparent with one another and being open. And my fantasy is always seeing teams sitting down in a round table where they go around and they say, what's one thing I could do more of or differently to be successful or to be effective in my position? And they ask that question of all of their coworkers. They write down that feedback. And then when everybody is done sharing, they identify one, two, or three things that they're going to implement the up and coming month to really be more effective in their position. And I think a lot of times where we go wrong with performance reviews or even 360s is like it's this once a year crazy process. And I really believe in monthly feedback and we have a process in place for owners and their teams. But man, if we could get our teams to the place where they could all sit down and just say, all right, you know, woohoo, this is what we accomplished this month. Now let's talk about improvement. What is it that I could do more of or differently to be an effective member of the team? What would you like to see from me? And everybody gives that feedback, you write it down, and then you focus on three goals or even one goal from that feedback that you're going to implement the upcoming month. I mean, doesn't that sound a little bit more magical, Mark? It, it does. And I, I love your fantasy. But what right? about the part about the anonymous feedback, like the, the employee, work, employer I work for made you go home and do it from a website you couldn't track? Is that still a thing today? It, it is. Anonymous feedback is a thing. It's not something that I teach and it's not something that I think is incredibly effective. I think if you have a dysfunctional team, you're going to strive for anonymous feedback because then everybody could feel safe. Everybody could feel secure. But to me, what if we're building healthy relationships in the workplace and everybody feels safe and secure communicating directly with one another when there's an issue that goes on? But most of the time, people don't. And that's why people use a lot of the anonymous type of feedback. And do they get some good feedback from it? Yes, they do. So it can be effective. But to me, it really doesn't foster the kind of relationships that we really want to have in the workplace. Let's talk about offsite meetings. A couple times in my corporate career, in order to get feedback, either the supervisor, the manager, or the director would take me and a couple of my coworkers out to an offsite lunch for uh, a meeting and to get feedback. What do you think about those? Are they effective or no? I do. I think outside lunches, uh, offsite meetings are very effective. I, I absolutely do. And I think it's a great time to give feedback. You just have to be careful of the environment that you're in when you're requesting feedback, because sometimes in some of the organizations I've worked with, there's breakdowns happening. So it depends upon the level of maturity of your team. 
meaning how much have they grown together? And is it going to be a good constructive conversation or is it going to be a breakdown before the breakthrough? So if there's going to be a breakdown there and there might be some mediation that's needed, that would be a good time to go out to lunch and have those conversations. Hmm. So, so, so it really depends upon where you're at in, in the maturity with your team in developing them. Got it. So we're talking about attracting the right people to your team. Other than what we've already talked about, is there anything that you would like to share with a listener or a um, listener with their course, your listeners or how else they listen to this podcast uh, with a leader who is needing to attract the right people? You've already given us a lot of gold. Is there anything else on your heart that you'd like to share with them? Oh, attracting the right people is one of my, my favorite thing, whether it's attracting customers, clients, uh, spouses, whoever it might be, friendships. I think that we can attract amazing people into our lives. And what we have to do is really put the energy out there for the kind of person that we want to attract. And a lot of times we think about limitation when it comes to who is available to work for us. We're like, all right, well, there's this maybe one person over here, or two people over here, but you've really got to put it out there into the world that, all right, I need five amazing dreamy people and then get really specific on who it is that you want to attract. So clearly define what this person looks like and anything you want to about this person. And the more clear you are with the picture that you create inside of your mind for who you want to attract, the sooner you'll be able to attract those people. Now, I wonder how many people, because I've never thought of this before, uh, and I've never hired anybody, to be honest with you, for my company, but how many leaders listening to the show have ever sat down and go, okay, who do we want? And I, I see, I'm really big on LinkedIn. I see a lot of people who post jobs on LinkedIn and they list qualifications there that I don't think anyone on the planet could qualify for. So I think they go to either extreme. They go, eh, if they breathe, okay. Or they have so many, you got to have a master's degree, a PhD, you got to colonize Mars, go to the moon and, and build a rocket. And so there's got to be right. something in the middle, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, it's true. And I believe that when we start the process, whether it's our first employee or even a consultant or a, a VA who we want to attract, you again, you got to get clear on who that person is, but it also has to be an extension of your vision. And a lot of times people are hiring out of fear and desperation. And, and yes, even working with edu educational institutions, schools, it's like, yes, we want people who have a master's degree and they need this and they need that. They need to be this perfect human. But what we really do is we take our leaders through some exercises to help them really energetically connect with the person who they want to attract. So for example, help wanted ads. So many people will say, all right, what's everybody else posting out there? I'm going to use their ad and get the right person. Or you know what? Where's that ad that we posted five years ago? Let's just dust off that puppy and we'll be good to go. But it's the energy behind the intent that gets us the result. So we really want to make sure that we're in this energetic place, right? We're pure excitement. We're so, we got a clear picture of who we want to attract. We know how they're going to contribute to the vision, what difference they're going to make. Then from that energetic place, we write the help wanted ad or we put something out there into the world and that draws people into us quicker than we could possibly imagine. And it's a different philosophy than anyone else I know is teaching, but to me, it's just been so crazy effective. Hiring out of fear and desperation. You know, we went through this thing starting in February 2020 called COVID-19, the pandemic. A lot of people lost their job. And now it's almost seems like the employers 
have the pick of the litter where before COVID it was the employees that had the pick of the litter. And now instead of the employers being desperate, I think more of the employees being desperate. Is that, is that correct? How you see it? I think there's a lot of different perspectives on this in some of the sectors that I work in. They feel like, well, why would somebody want to come back to work when they could stay at home, collect more in unemployment? So there's all different perspectives depending upon the industry that you're in. But I believe, and call me crazy, but at any time right now during the pandemic or before the pandemic, that you can attract to you who you need to fulfill your vision. But the thing you got to ask yourself is, am I on fire with my vision? Because you can literally have a concept and you probably know this, Mark, you can have a concept and you can be so excited about it and you could pull people into that concept. You could pull people into that vision. But a lot of times we're not even that excited about the work that we're doing or the people that we're trying to attract to help support our vision. So it really takes the leader getting crazy excited about the vision that they're going to bring to life and then go out there and sell it. And you're going to find yourself a a wealth of employees who want to support it. And I have people all the time saying, Julie, I really love what you're doing. I want to be a part of that. Let me know. So I'll have a banker. I'll have, you know, this person over here that's a, a part of a college. All different people all the time are always approaching me saying, yes, I'd really love to be a part of what you're doing. So you've really got to focus on the vision because we could focus right now on it's COVID, nobody wants to work for us, or it's COVID, nobody's going to hire me because there's so many employers out there. But change your vision, whether you're the employer or the employee, for what you desire in your life. Really get in touch with your desire cultivate a vision, and then you're going to start energetically pulling the right people into you, whether it's an employer or employee. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to mrproductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click the link. Listener, that what, what Julie just said was gold. I hope you didn't miss it. If you did, uh, go ahead and hit the rebinding button a couple times because Julie just gave you pure gold. gold. Okay, so if you're not finding a job, check your vision. Okay, if you're not getting the right employee, uh, check your vision and get excited about it. Because one of the things I teach people, Julie, is I argue that you can't be your most productive self until you're doing what you love to do, where you love to do it. So if you're just going through the motion, if you're just going through autopilot, you're not going to be your most productive self. So I love that you said that. That is pure gold. As a matter of fact, that is such pure gold. I, I don't want to go anymore with you on that topic because I don't want people to miss it because that is pure gold. And I have this vision that people like they're, they're half listening to conversation. They go, wait, what did I miss? What? Rewind. Go listen to it because uh, you got to hear it. it's absolute pure gold. So what I want to do now with you, you said you're game for this, Julie. Um, I do this fun thing called Mic Swap where I give you the opportunity to be the temporary host of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. You don't have to say my last name and you can't ask me anything like credit card or social security numbers. But you don't have to ask me questions about productivity. You can literally ask me any color, any question you want. Uh, you get to ask me one or two questions. Some people try to sneak in three if they're quick enough. So you are the host. Go. Awesome. Well, mel- welcome, Mark. I'm so thrilled to be here with you today. I've got lots of questions regarding productivity. What is your biggest golden tip when it comes to getting unstuck? 
Oh, I love this question because it's it's the same answer all the time. I've got the saying, tell your time where to go instead of wondering where it went. You've got to take the time to intentionally plan your time. Too many people are in reactive mode. The example I use all the time is if you ever seen the old carnival game called Whack-A-Mole, we are yes. spending so much time whacking those moles, putting out fires all day, every day. And then we get the end of the day. We're like, what did I do? I feel tired. I surely work, but what did I do? Take the time either at the end of the day or the first thing in the morning and say, okay, this is what I want to accomplish today. No excuses. If you work for a corporation or your stay at home mom, if you're furloughed, you can do this. You just sit there and go, okay, what do I want to get done today? If you would just do that one thing and you do it consistently, your productivity would soar. Woohoo. Love it. Great, great answer. My next question for you is regarding organization. And I just got off of a show, when was it yesterday, where we were talking all about organization. And there are some philosophies that say, hey, you know what? People will operate perfectly fine in a messy environment. And then there are others that clearly show that productivity is boosted when you walk into a nice, neat, clean space. What is your philosophy on organization, clean space, messy space, does it matter? Well, it's it's a kind of an interesting answer. I always tell people, always go for the clean area first. If you are not productive, don't allow your brain to have anything to see. Now, as I'm sitting here recording this episode with you, I'm in my spare bedroom. I'm on my desk. I've got pens and I've got a stapler, my water bottle, and I've got my phone, which is muted. That doesn't distract me because I'm disciplined enough. That I'm not going to go, oh, it's a green pen there. It was a blue one. Oh, what colors does green and blue make if they're mixed together? I don't, that doesn't where my mind goes. Okay. I'm focused on the conversation. Most people can't do that. So I tell people only have in front of you what you need to work on. So if you're going to write in your journal, literally have your water bottle and your journal and a pen, nothing else. If you're working on writing a blog post, then maybe you have just your laptop and your water bottle. Don't have, you know, pizza boxes and pens and stuffed animals and pictures because your mind, you can try to focus on the blog post and your mind's going to go, oh, look at that. Oh, that's a receipt. Let me look at that receipt. Oh, that, oh, I remember once that restaurant with my, my mother two, two years ago. And all, then you're just lost your focus. So for people who are not disciplined, which is the vast majority of people work in a clutter free environment as possible. Mm, fantastic. Very powerful answer. One last question that I have for you. I'm going to sneak a third one in. <laughs> I am. I am. Of course, you got it when you're talking to Mark, right? Erasable pens or non erasable pens? Wow. Yeah, this is an important one. Um, I have not had an erasable pen in a many, a long time, except for the whiteboard stuff. For me, if I don't want to commit, I use a pencil, but I never use a pencil. So when I'm filling out my journal, I actually have a bullet journal. I actually have a waterproof archivable ink pen, which it, it's like once it's there, you, unless you rip out the page and throw it away, it's there permanently. So I'm a fan of using ink pens. Uh, when I took, when I took my show notes for you today, it's an ink. When I write in my planner, it's an ink. I, I'm just an ink kind of guy. What about you? Awesome. I have a new passion for erasable gel pens. Okay. And I, and I use I use both. So I've got some on my desk here that are non-erasable. But then when I'm in my planner, I do use the erasable ones because things get shifted around. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's just kind of fun to play with them. So I go for the friction gel erasable pens. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah. thank you for being the host of the show. I really appreciate it. Now, the final thank question you. I have for you is where can we go to find out more about you and what you're up to in the world? 
Yeah, absolutely. Please come and visit me, juliebartkus.com, J-U-L-I-E-B-A-R-T as in Tom, K-U-S.com. And if you're intrigued by what I'm saying, we do have a free session that you can grab on the website with me. So if you're looking to transform your workplace or just start the process of transforming your life, let's have a conversation. I really enjoyed having you on the show because I I still go back to that one line you said, people hire out of fear and desperation. And uh, I hope I was never hired out of fear or desperation. I hope no employer ever hired me under that. But I understand the problem. You're growing so fast and stop. You're better off to what I said about Dave Ramsey in the very beginning, which he's not the original person to say, um, hire slow, fire fast. That way you get the right people in the right seat and the right bus going the right direction, like Jim Collins says. So, uh, Julie, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate having you on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.